Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. I'm Mark Anthony, and this is Demolition News Radio, episode 88. In this episode, Love Over Gold. This show is brought to you by Hydroquip, the UK's largest independent provider of on site hose repairs. Call 0845 812 0212 for the 24 7 national call out service. Or download the Hydroquip Job Manager app for iOS and Android devices from the App Store. I'll warn you in advance, this one is going to ramble all over the place. I do have a point to make, but for various reasons, you may need to read between the lines, between the lines, if you see what I mean. Okay, let's get started. Way, way back in 1982, the band Dire Straits were at the very height of their success. They were playing stadia on both sides of the Atlantic and had seemingly managed to please fans and the critics alike with three consecutive albums. They then threatened to undermine all that hard work and all that touring by releasing a self-indulgent album that they produced primarily for themselves. That album placed artistic integrity and musicianship above chart success, record sales and golden platinum disc accolades. And for that reason the album was called Love Over Gold and it was a global smash. What the hell has the success of an old-time Geordie rhythm and blues band got to do with Demolition, I hear you plead? Stick with me. I said this was going to ramble. As someone who longed for a career as a professional footballer, but who sadly lacked the commitment, dedication and talent, I've never understood why those players fortunate enough to represent their country should be paid to do so. I guess it's easy for me to say, given that the only time I ever kicked the ball at my beloved Upton Park was when the ground was being demolished. But I would happily pay them to let me pull on the claret and blue of West Ham, even if it was only once. To then be asked to play for England, the country of my birth, would be such an overwhelming honour that I'd have happily done so for nothing. I still would if Gareth Southgate is listening. The fact that the multi-millionaires that represent my country today expect to be paid and to travel first class and to pick up additional sponsorship and brand deals along the way, it just saddens me. It saddens me even more when we reach a major tournament and these highly paid and feckless prima donnas put in yet another piss poor performance, lose to Iceland and leave the competition on the first flight home. In first class of course. Yet there are lower league and amateur players out there that would run their hearts out, put their bodies on the line and truly represent the fighting spirit of the three lines that adorn the England shirt. Those players might lack the talent, they might not have the fitness, nutrition or stamina, they might lack the media exposure and adoration. They might not even have their own celebrity sex tape. But I'll tell you what, anyone playing against a team made up of lower league players with something to prove would know they'd been in a game. If you stick around a sport or an industry long enough, and assuming your career has progressed and you've gained valuable experience along the way, you might be lucky enough to be presented with the opportunity to give something back to the sector that has afforded you a living. I am a man of scant talent, and the talent I do possess is largely useless to just about everybody else. But I've done book readings at local schools, I've mentored several budding journalists, and I'd happily do it all again. Did I get paid for any of this? Of course I didn't. When I've done book readings, I've given away books to children. I've paid for my travel to and from each school. Hell, I've, I've even made donations to the school fund while I was there, 
and my greatest reward as a mentor is seeing one of these young journalists achieve their first byline. I am not at the top of my industry, never have been, never will be, but I owe my industry a debt for having put a roof over myself and my family for the past 30 years. And if I can give something back, even if it's only by helping a 16-year-old wannabe journalist with their grammar, then it's not the least I can do. It should be, and it is, an honour to be able to do so. I read an interview recently with Mark Noble, the current captain of West Ham. For those that know, Mark Noble is a living embodiment of the West Ham spirit. He readily admits that he's a good footballer, not a great one. But what he lacks in God-given talent, he more than makes up in grit, determination and commitment. In the interview, he stated that he was happy for West Ham to bring in a new player that could ultimately replace him altogether. I want West Ham to do well, he said, for the fans, for the chef, for Shirley in the kitchen, for Jimmy Thrith, who comes in every day, keeps things ticking over and has been doing so since the 1980s. Noble makes sure that every staff member at West Ham gets a share of the bonuses paid to the players. It's little wonder that he is known among the fans as Mr West Ham. Noble was a local lad from Canning Town. He was a fan before he was a player. He made his debut for his club, my club, when he was just 17 years old and he was still taking the bus home to his parents' house after training. Perhaps in another era he might have played for his country, but he's achieved plenty. In addition to all his sporting accomplishments, he was granted freedom as a borough of Newham in 2016 for services to his local community. Now, I've never seen Mark Noble's bank statement. Sadly, I've never been invited to his house, though I live in Hope. But I think it's fair to say that he's better off than he could have ever hoped when he was waiting for the bus, age 17, and a few weeks shy of making his first team debut. Yet despite all that success, he is active in his local community. He supports the West Ham youth team, he imparts his wisdom and experience freely where he could just as easily sit at home and count his money. By his own admission, he might not be a great footballer, but he's a great person, a positive influencer on and off the pitch, and more importantly, he's a great leader. And here's the rub, I guess. Anyone that's risen through the ranks of any industry has the potential to lead and to influence. But authority isn't just built on what you know, but rather people knowing that they can rely and depend upon you. True leaders, true influencers show up, they deliver quality, they keep their promises and they're reliable. Authority isn't built upon making yourself look smart and lording your intelligence over those who follow you. There are many, too many in my opinion, that would choose to use their influence to get a better holiday, a higher profile for their company, or just more money. They use their influence to stroke their ego. They use their power to stoke their bank balance. Great influencers and leaders use their influence for the benefit and empowerment of those around them, not themselves. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support this show, Demolition News or The Demolition Magazine, please consider becoming a patron. Just head over to patreon.com forward slash demolition news to find out more.